Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Franchise Players here on WTOB 980 AM, 96.7 on the FM dial, and 1320 AM WCOG. I'm J.P. Mundy alongside my partner, the mayor of Danville, Virginia, and Virginia Commonwealth University's most famous alumnus. Oh, man. Ryan Stone, partner, how are you? It's been a while. It's been a while, man. I, I'm in the I'm in the holiday holiday spirit a little bit, you know. We really, got, we're on the holidays. It's Christmas Eve, right? It's day before Christmas, so I've got my uh, my holiday uh, attire on. I'm honoring JP. I'm honoring the the true heroes of Christmas today. The true heroes of Christmas: John McClain uh, yeah. and um, Hans. No, 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 not those, not those true heroes. Who's that? These true heroes. Which ones? We're going with Harry and Marv from Home Alone. Harry and Marv, the, the burglars. True, the true heroes of Christmas. Because if there's no Harry and Marv, there are no Home Alone 1 and 2, which what? are what there, there <laughs> one of the greatest lies from a, from a movie, from a holiday movie, as you know, poor, poor Harry and Marv. They're just trying to, you know, just trying to help their poor selves during the holidays. And that, that darn kid, Kevin, man, he just, you know, the holidays just, just have to be all about the kids. And that movie just, just shows that even further. I'm a big fan of the Wet Bandits myself, but you know, I wasn't really in the holiday spirit as, as a, as a family man who gets caught up in all the chaos and stuff. I am, you know, often overwhelmed during the holidays, but we've been given a gift, Ryan. We've been given the, one of the greatest gifts the triad, I think, could get. You know what that is? What's that? Uncle Dez has given us the keys <laughs> to the Cadillac. <laughs> well, it's a gift to us. I mean, I'm still riding the back seat, but, you know, yeah, you're, you're driving. That's you all right. Pi uh, pi pipe down, Unc. Um, pipe down. I am so excited to be to be here with you guys, along with my, my partner, my favorite partner. I want to talk about something right now, though, Ryan, because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in sports. But our holiday gift to the people this week is to talk about college football, for better or for worse. A lot of stuff going on right now within college football. But the one thing every year that just drives me nuts is this argument that says there are just too many bowl games. <laughs> and to me, and full disclosure, 
Um, both of us are affiliated in some way or another with a college sports uh, multimedia company. But that being said, long before I was employed by this uh, enterprise, I've been a college football fan. And the equation is simple, even though I'm bad at math. More college football equals good. Less college football equals bad. Are, are you of that opinion, or do you think that there's too many bowl games? I think uh, they've done a, a couple years ago, I, I felt like we had gotten to a place where there were too many because we had teams with losing records in bowl games. And, and to me, that's just, that's just a joke. I mean, that's like the high school football playoffs where you'll occasionally get teams that have like three wins making the playoffs. And that's, that's just a little bit of a joke to me and, and making a mockery of it to, to an extent. I think they've done a better job. Uh, I think that they've maybe condensed in a touch. Uh, I think they've done a better job with one with matchups. I think they've done a better job getting getting you know teams that actually deserve to be in bowl games in bowl games. I think the only team that uh, has a losing record in a bowl game this year is Hawaii, and that's because they played thirteen games. Uh, right, and, you know, they're playing in the Hawaii Bowl, so I mean, really not a not not a big deal. But for the, for the most part, I agree with you. I mean, I like a lot of these bowl games, like. You know, Tuesday night I, I I watched a lot of uh, you know UTSA and uh, and uh, San Diego State. I thought that was a really entertaining game. Uh, you know, I thought uh, you know some of the some of the games we saw uh, on that first Saturday, what BYU UAB, yep. uh, was a really interesting matchup. And I, I thought that was something they did a really good job of this year. Was that first Saturday? It used to be you know a lot of teams that nobody cared about. Um, and, and um, you know, they didn't have like national brands on there necessarily or anything like that, but I thought they did a better job this year, at least having some brands with some intrigue and, and giving us some intriguing matchups. Now, now the argument that you're going to hear is always that the games don't mean anything. They're just glorified exhibition games, but ask a player about the exhibit or these glorified exp exhibitions, because this at heart, a bowl game is supposed to be a reward for good work done during the season. And what people don't understand is it's usually a week at your do at your location, right? Wherever yep. you're going, like the Bahamas Bowl. They got to spend a week in the Bahamas after a, a long, arduous season, and they got to play a football game. You always get some sort of bowl gift package. For instance, the, the Vols um, are going to play in the Music City Bowl, and – they are they're getting a gift package worth four hundred and fifty dollars per player, and you know that's all fun. They get to you get to do things, you get to hang with your buddies, and then you go play a bowl game that you may or may not have your heart in. But to me, it's fun, and you get to see um, you get to see some good matchups, and then occasionally you, you get some bad some bad beats, um, which. Speaking of bad beats, <laughs> did you, by any chance, happen to um, wager anything during the first weekend of bowls? I yeah, I did. I uh, I, I came out okay. I think I went two and one uh, the first it, uh, first Saturday. Took a little bit of a. Uh, I went. I think I'm three and two so far in bowl games. I had two bets on uh, UTSA and San Diego State. Uh, I had UTSA plus three. They lost by 14, so that didn't hit. But I had the over uh, 49 points, so I uh, ended up going one and one uh, in that game. So, uh, yeah, I've done okay so far in the uh, in the bowl games. Uh, for, for those of you in the listening audience who aren't, you know, 
acquainted yet with uh, the proclivities of my partner here. He has uh, spent a good part of the fall educating me on uh, wagering for entertainment purposes only. He wagers Skittles and Sour Patch Kids and that kind of thing. So when I ask him questions about whether he won or lost, you know, he is it is for entertainment purposes only. However, I was wondering, the reason I ask is, is that one of our favorite teams, uh, Appalachian State, unfortunately went down. And did you bet that game or did you stay away from it? I had the, uh, I took the, I didn't take the over and I took App State, uh, I think I took App State minus two and a half or whatever they were. So, uh, yeah, went one and one in uh, in that one as well. Um, and you know, that's that's you, you mentioned the uh, the argument for uh, asking players or whatever. Like, I, I think for Bailey Zappi, the quarterback at Western Kentucky, that game meant a lot. You know, I got a absolutely for him to be on a uh, on a national stage, uh, get in front of a few more uh, NFL scouts, and you know, you get you know. A lot of times people will say, "Oh, it's just you know, it's just Conference USA that he's that he's tearing up." Well, he tore up a pretty good App State defense, so it was a good good opportunity for him uh, to make another a one last impression in front of the uh, the NFL scouts. JP Monday and Ryan Stone with you here on Franchise Players. I I've got to ask you the reason. Well, the reason I was asking about um, the wagering on on bowl games. We've we've spent a lot of time this year, you know, in private and even sometimes on the air talking about how wagering during COVID is different. And, you know, for the the last week or so, all we've been seeing is college basketball games (laughs) get shut down left and right, left and right. And now we're dealing with, you know, what Wake Forest had to deal with this week with, you know, the Gator Bowl being affected because Texas A&M can't play. Um, Do you think that – the money is going to stay away from Vegas on the college football playoffs, for instance, with COVID being such a big factor right now across all sports. NHL is on pause. Yep. NBA will soon be on pause. Probably. I mean, NBA is – I mean, for the Dallas Mavericks, for example, have like six replacement players on the roster right now. Right. We also have – we um, – Let's see. That, well, they, we know that the NFL just doesn't care. Like from the beginning, they <laughs> well, just – the NFL is going to play regardless. They have officially declared COVID over and whatever happens, happens. That's fine. But you get my drift. It's affecting these important games because it's conference time whether people like it or not um, in college basketball. And it's bowl season in college football. There's a lot of money on the table. Will, will people stay away from you know the sports books because of this? I think that most well, I think I think what you'll see is people will wait till closer to game time uh, to make sure that uh, that the games are going to take place. Like for example, a lot of with both the college football playoff uh, games, you haven't really seen much movement, if any, on the uh, on the opening lines that uh, that came out, and uh, you really haven't seen much movement on the uh, the totals as well. Um, you know, some of that's because a lot of people wait to bet late. That's what the majority of the public does, but I think also it's probably that people are being uh, being cautious to make sure that you know the game is actually going to be played uh, on time, uh, and hopefully those games get played on time, and both those teams are being uh, as cautious as they uh, as they can. I mean, you know, Nick Saban probably has his team locked up in the dorms for the holidays. Uh, they're probably not allowed to, to go home or do much of uh, much of anything right now, but. Uh, uh, in all seriousness, I mean, hopefully we we get those the college football playoffs. Guys, yeah, you 
Yeah. No, I don't know if you know this because this just kind of broke when you started, but uh, there's a new college football playoff policy that was written this week um, in response to the Omicron virus or whatever. Uh, check this out. If one team is able to play in the title game and the other can't because of COVID-19 and the game can't be rescheduled, the team that can't play will forfeit and its opponent will be declared the national champion. If both teams can't play on either the original or rescheduled date, the game will be declared a no contest and the college football playoff national championship will be vacated for the season. Wow. That just came out from Heather uh, Dennich from ESPN. <laughs> so... Yeah. <laughs> so um, your question about betting on games, I don't, I don't know if you're going to bet on them or not because they don't know if you're going to be played or not. Well, the good thing is, you know, most, unless you just are dealing with a really shady, shady book or individual, uh, which I would advise not to go, not going the, uh, not going the individual route. Uh, yeah, they're all pure of heart. Um, pure of heart. Yeah. Um, I mean, books for the most part, I mean, if you, if you place a bet and the game doesn't get played, they're going to, your money is going to be refunded. Okay, so let, let's switch gears. Let's switch gears real quick, guys. All right, given that information, that kind of sets the stage for New Year's Eve and everything. Let's go. Let's run down our four finalists. Okay, we've got University of Alabama. You've got Michigan. You've got Georgia. You've got Cincinnati. If you are a player, put yourself in one of the. If you're a player for one of those four teams, hearing that uh, that news. What are you thinking? What what is going through your head? Because you've played most of this season, I would imagine, without the specter of COVID around. Uh, I think you're. Well, <laughs> I don't know that they're getting the. I mean, especially, I, I don't know that they're getting to necessarily think much about it on their own. I think it's kind of, it's probably being dictated to them by their uh, by their coaches. Uh, sure. What, what they should be thinking and uh, you know how they should be uh, be moving at uh, at this time. And I mean, it's you know. It's tough for those kids because you know they really, they probably aren't going to get home get to go home for Christmas. Um, Hell no! And, 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 they no. Might, <laughs> and they might not, and they might not have uh, you know gotten to go home anyway. But they might have got you know the family might have gotten a chance to come visit them potentially. But that's probably out the window at this point. Um, right. That, that's unfortunate for those uh, for those kids. Um, and that's you know that that's that's something that that also needs to be uh, be thought about during this. Uh, Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien and offensive line coach Doug Marone both tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, that came out on Wednesday, 90 minutes uh, before the college football playoff announcement dropped. So, well, so let me, I, I'll keep the comment to myself about Bill O'Brien. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I won't. I, I, I won't. So what you're telling me is that Alabama got better? That's what I was going to say, yeah. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. They got better. That, I don't know. That, there was no way they could get better, and then then this announcement. You know, I, I feel bad. I mean, he'll – you know, he's going to be if, – if everything – if he tests out because there's enough time, um, you know – He's going to test out, and both those guys hopefully will be able to coach their teams. Um, you know, as bad as his reputation and you know the stuff that we've seen from Bill O'Brien's offensive at the college and pro levels, they're still the number one seed. Yeah, in, they, in the college really, football I mean, playoff, they really you know, you know they hadn't been impressive for a month, and then Georgia showed up, and it was like, oh, <laughs> this is how we do this. 
It, do, it does also say, too, I should probably put, in the rare instance that three semifinal teams are unable to play, the lone remaining healthy team would win its game by forfeit and be declared the college football playoff national champion. I, I, I think they need to stop allowing alcohol in those committee meetings. <laughs> I think Cincinnati has a path. <laughs> I think they've got a path. They can get this there. Is, this is – that. that's just – you know, Uncle Des, I appreciate you giving us the keys to the Cadillac, but that you're bringing me down, and that's <laughs> and this is some, this Omicron, is, not me. Killing the holiday cheer. Before we went on the air, you are we allowed made, to bring alcohol in here? No, you implored us to be upbeat and happy and 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 and, and cheerful for our audience, you and then you come in with time. you come in with the championship by forfeit bet. Anyway, <laughs> look on that note, let's throw it to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more college football playoff and kind of get into the nitty gritty of what makes up, um, I guess, if the games get played uh, on New Year's Eve here on the franchise players. See you in a bit. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Welcome back to the franchise players. And we have a guest today, Ryan. Do we know? Yep. He is prolific in his <laughs> writing endeavors. He is world famous. He is an Alabama graduate. It's true. Yeah. And he wrote an article so good about how to make your local sports show have a national flavor this week that I decided instead of reading it just to book him as a guest, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States, Dimitri Ravanis. What's up, man? Oh, JP, long time no talk to my guy. Yeah, we, we go all the way back to Smithfield chicken and barbecue days. <laughs> That's, if anybody thought to themselves, gee, I wonder if a fast food franchise could sustain a sports media operation. JP and I learned firsthand, no. No, they cannot. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, I didn't tell Dimitri what we're going to talk about because I really needed Dimitri at his best today. We're talking, surprise, about the college football playoff. And I wanted, I wanted to sing your praises a little bit, Dimitri, because you have been pushing something that's gone under the radar on your social media, and I fully support this platform. And you have been graciously trying to prepare Michigan fans yeah, <laughs> for the college football playoff. And we haven't, and the national media has not talked about it except for you, that it is a very likely scenario where Georgia shuts out Michigan, correct? H homie, they are going to get smoked. I do not see a way you can have paid attention to Michigan this year, have paid attention to Georgia this year, have watched the SEC championship game and think there is any sort of uh, formula to what Michigan does well that can beat Georgia. I mean, what we saw Alabama do 
was spread Georgia out, throw the ball all over the place with a quarterback that just does not get rattled. Nothing about those yep. th- that set of uh, <laughs> criteria describes Cade McNamara. Nothing. Yeah, also, I mean, you know, Michigan's strength has been running the ball all season, and that's, right. where, that's where Georgia lives. They live in the trenches defensively. Yeah, I mean, look, you are going to have to really frustrate that Georgia defensive line in order to beat them. And I think that's what Bryce uh, Young did so well is he never got rattled the way they saw a lot of opponents did. And he just has insane timing, right? Like guys from the, you know, Georgia rushers were getting to them, but the ball was already out of his hands at that point. Kate McNamara has pretty much lived on checkdowns in terms of throwing the ball. He is not a mobile enough threat to buy himself time. I mean, Ryan, you you hit the ball on the head. Like, Hassan Haskins is not the best running back this team has played all year, and every running back they have played has basically been running into a brick wall. Why do we think it would be any different with uh, with Michigan? You know, Dimitri, a, a few years ago, Dabo Swinney um, said that before his semifinal matchup um, with Ohio State, that he, he and his staff were looking at film beforehand, obviously, and set, and – thought to themselves, oh man, Ohio State's in a lot of trouble against us. Is this the same kind of situation for Kirby? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think that it's a situation of Kirby can't coach or Kirby can't close out the big ones. I think it is very much that the games where Kirby has been on the biggest stage and been made to look foolish were against the guy that knows him best, right? Like, that right. doesn't describe Jim Harbaugh. And I, I think there is a no. little bit more um, uh, want to or – I hate to say desperation because that paints the picture that like Harbaugh has been a miserable failure this part, Michigan. But there is some need for Jim Harbaugh to justify his standing in the sport that I, I think trickles down to his players uh, a little bit. I think that, you know, that, that quote that Dabo gave a few years ago – really hits on something that outside of the South people get sick of hearing, but it is true. And you recognize it is true. If you really, really love college football, like Midwestern mass is not the same as Southern mass, right? Like if those boys grew up or, or were, were fed to work on a farm, our boys down here were fed specifically to mow your ass over. So the running back can get by you. I mean, right. it is just a a different level of talent in terms of where recruiting bases live for these schools. So we talked about that matchup. I wanted to. This is the. This is a very Dimitri question, and I don't know. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you'll understand what I'm getting at. Sure. Um, is Cincinnati as the four seed? You know, everybody was praising the fact that the group of five team got in, blah, 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 blah. But I'm a guy that still believes in the BCS. I believe the BCS got it right, except for like a couple of years. I think that since he winning, winning the national semifinal against Alabama would be a worst case scenario for the college football playoff, because then you could start, then you'd make the case for people getting in that really shouldn't get in. What do you, is it a, is it a worst case scenario or a best case scenario for you? Oh, well, I mean, for me, obviously it's a, it's a sky is falling sort of scenario. (laughs) Well, Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I I mean, I, I kind of, 
I don't disagree with you in the sense that, like, I also was a BCS guy. I always wanted more teams in a playoff, but I don't understand why we're not using the BCS formula to pick those teams. That being said, I think Cincinnati is legitimately one of the four best teams in the country. To your point about it being a worst-case scenario, I think what it could present is as all of these conferences who now, thanks to – Texas and Oklahoma are all pissed off at each other and don't want to work together. Uh, right. What the worst case scenario really could be is let's say Cincinnati beats Alabama and I don't think it's going to happen, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Then all of these people that, you know, are really biting their tongue every time they're in a room together, do they then have a reason to say, Oh, well let's just abandon these negotiations a group of five team had access. They got in. They won a game. We don't have to talk about going to more than four. To me, that is what the worst case scenario looks like. Yeah, I would. I would. I would certainly agree with that. And, and Dimitri, I mean, I think about this Cincinnati matchup. Everybody, you know, everybody thinks everybody that hasn't been watching all season, of course, thinks Bama's Bama. But this isn't the Bama team that we're necessarily used to, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And, and I think, like, like Bama does well what Georgia's defense was weak at. But Cincinnati's strength is at corner. Like, they have two high yeah. NFL draft picks in the secondary. I, so, I mean, I think you could almost make the case Cincinnati's defense might be a tougher matchup for Bama than Georgia was. I mean, it could be, especially with no John Mechie. I mean, that's really yeah. going to um, limit where, where – I mean, like, we've seen Bryce Young's not afraid to throw the ball to anybody, but he certainly doesn't have – that second security blanket. Now, I mean, there have been times when, and you saw this towards the end of the SEC championship game, you know, Slade Bolden, who I believe has been at Alabama since 1972, um, is supposed to be that uh, experienced veteran, always steady wide receiver. And man, he's just, he was just dropping everything that came his way during the SEC championship game. So if that's your number two guy, does Bryce have the ability to go to multiple people to spread Cincinnati out to bail himself out of tough situations? Or to your point, Ryan, does Cincinnati just have to figure out how to take away Jamison Williams and this is a completely different game? In years past, we would say, well, if they do that, then Bama's got the big bruising running back and they do this year, but they don't have the steadily, consistently reliable offensive line to open up holes for the guy. Well, now we were just talking about this before you joined us. Um, it came out Wednesday that a couple of uh, Alabama uh, coaches uh, tested positive for COVID-19, one of them being your favorite coach, Bill O'Brien. <laughs> and my argument and Ryan's sure. uh, my argument is that so you mean Alabama got better today, you know, right. um, so um what if would they be re- rejuvenated? Because I keep on thinking about this Alabama team if Sark was still the coordinator. Yeah, I, let me say this first of all. My wife, my wife is a is a doctor. She's right on the front lines of all this stuff. I I, I really think it is important that everybody get vaccinated. That being said, from the bottom of my heart, I really hope Bill Bryan, Bill O'Brien isn't. And uh, this is the beginning of what we've all, as Alabama fans, been hoping for all year long. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that I just, you. I got, a, I got a question on top of that, Dimitri. Like, yeah. Nick Saban has not punched many wrong buttons over the years. Yeah. Like, 
he he's I mean, as far as a coach, he makes his decision making like he he's as close to a hundred percent as anybody. What was he thinking? Ryan, I, I, I don't know, buddy. I wish I did. <laughs> like, there is so here is here is sort of the Saban offensive coordinator decision making tree since 2014. Uh, Bill Belichick told him to hire Lane Kiffin, home run hire, right? Yeah. Uh, Lane Kiffin set things up for Steve Sarkeesian to take over for him when Lane was headed to Florida Atlantic. Didn't work out because Sark wanted to go to the NFL instead. So what did Saban do? He asked Bill Belichick, who said that Brian Dable was ready to be an offensive coordinator. Dable has been a great offensive coordinator for the Bills. Dable, this is this is true. I swear to God this is true for those of you that do not follow the SEC or Alabama. Uh, the reason Mike Loxley was on the Alabama staff was because Brian Dable did not know how to use a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts when he was there. So then he goes, Loxley is already on the staff. Loxley goes, Sark is already on the staff. Like anytime there's a lull, he turns to a NFL coach who is his best buddy, but who has a history of not knowing what the hell he's doing on offense. I I don't know for the life of me why you would call Bill O'Brien. And it's a real testament to Bryce Young that he can win the Heisman with that guy as his offensive coordinator. Yeah, in that scenario, he's the greatest to ever live. Man, how good is the Doug Watson? Uh, um, now, you know, my theory, you talk about pushing the right bu- buttons, you know, in my personal experience, Nick Saban takes it a, is like the Lex Luthor of college football because he kept Jeremy Pruitt on staff knowing that there was a shot in my, and this is my opinion, that Jeremy Pruitt would eventually take a head coaching job at Tennessee and burn the school to the ground. Yeah. So he, that makes, you know, that makes him just the greatest coach of all time in my estimation because he's taking care of business at home and he's taking care of business against what was a great once a great rivalry let's let's not forget the super sleeper agent job he did of keeping Derek Dooley on his staff at LSU oh uh, knowing that eventually he would go become the head coach of Tennessee's <laughs> biggest rival and Derek Dooley would I think the greatest contribution he gave that university was was bright orange pants. Uh, yeah, I mean, Nick Saban, I think, has, without realizing it, become the, uh, like, Lord Voldemort to the people of Tennessee. Or maybe yeah. not without realizing it, but certainly without trying. He's become the Lord, Lord Voldemort to the people of Tennessee. Which I really wanted to talk to you about that. That's a perfect segue to this. There, this is a, a this is something that I don't know that anybody else in the country does. But I'm a Tennessee fan. I've got family in Knoxville. I attended Tennessee during Peyton Manning's senior year. I, but I root come bowl season and national championship season. I am roll tide. I love watching Alabama play football and I am not like, like, like vol Twitter is a terrible place to be and they hate Bama and I don't know, but I think there's a great many of us and it's not, it's not only limited to Tennessee fans who will root like heck for the Crimson Tide come national championship playoff season. Have you, is that something that you've noticed too? It it is. And I got to tell you, so I don't, I Maybe my opinion would be different if I, you know, was not a Bama alum, lifelong fan, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't understand that. Like when Auburn played 
Oregon for the national championship when they played Florida State. I yeah. wasn't rooting for Oregon yeah. or Florida State. I was rooting for the stadium to burn to the ground. Like I, I, right. I have never understood the oh we root for the conference like i want all of you to go zero and 11 or zero and 12 <laughs> if possible like ryan is a florida state guy and if you know if if both florida state and miami were good at football which is a laughable premise at this i know point, yeah, yeah yeah but if he's not rooting for miami in the national championship ever, game, ever. but there i will I sit i'll root for clemson now as, uh, I mean, yeah. okay, let's let's be fair, though, to <laughs> JP here a little bit. Uh, when do we expect that Ryan is going to be facing that conundrum of having to... Not anytime soon. Yeah, I, I don't Not think... I mean, poor Mario Cristobal, who... By, by the way, I have two degrees. I have one from Alabama and one from Florida International. Cristobal is my guy. I really love that dude as a coach, and he has just pissed his career away. Uh, yep. By going to the university of what should we have done in 1989? Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I, and I don't. That's a usually when these things happen, and you know this well, D- Dimitri, is that this it reflects the lack of leadership at at, at the top, up at the very top of the school. <laughs> Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee's, <laughs> yeah, Tennessee's, <laughs> Tennessee, for instance, they were bad from chancellor on down and it yep. trickled down and you, then you, and then you put a Fulmer in a position of power and it gets even worse. So that's the situation I think at Florida state and Miami administratively, they just don't have the juice. You know, I think that Florida state is so the, to me, these are two very different uh, problems. Maybe you've diagnosed the main cause, but they've resulted in two very different things at uh, Miami you know, it's very similar to when I was in school at Alabama. I was there from 99 to 03, the four coaches in five years era. Um, and it was a matter of every booster thought they were the booster, right? Every every member of the board of directors thought they were the guy making the shot, uh, calling the shots. And it's why when Nick Saban came in in 07, the first thing he did was take down Paul Bear Bryant's picture in the football center. Like we're done living in the past. We're done uh, making decisions based on what the bear would have done. That's what they're going through in Miami right now. All of these alumni who contribute nothing financially to the university, but have the loudest microphones yeah. are the ones that have been calling the shots at Florida state. I don't, and, and Ryan, forgive me. This is not a shot at the university. I think they are, in the same boat as a lot of a lot of schools, Virginia Tech is a really good example. Yep. At some point, you have to wake up and say, "Are we a story program, or did we just have one really good guy?" Because if you think you're a story program, you're not going to be as willing to make the sort of structural changes you need to to get another one of those guys in. I, I can't. I can't disagree. I mean, they. All right. Well, let's take our final break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about, if Demetri, you'll stay with us, I hope. I want to get some predictions, of course. But I also want to – I'm in the giving mood, guys. And I want, to, I want you guys to give some Christmas gifts to a special, special now unemployed coach when we come back <laughs> on the Franchise Players. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. 
Welcome back into the franchise players. JP Mundy, Ryan Stone, our special guest, the next offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama, Dimitri Ivanos. It's, it's true. You, you, I can't even begin to tell you how many national championships I have on NCAA 14. <laughs> the, that's the greatest franchise of all time. Using the same Agreed. players over and over again. That's right. <laughs> Let me ask you guys. Uh, let's just say, I hate to be this guy, but I got to ask it. Say Cincinnati wasn't the choice. Who was y'all's? Who, who would you guys t- say was your was your number four? Who was your who got left out that you think had a right to be in there? Man, nobody got left out. Yeah, nobody got left out. I <laughs> mean, if, the if right Oklahoma, <laughs> if Oklahoma State had won, yeah. I would hear that argument. But yeah, I, I think I think they got the right. Four. I got another thing to say about Oklahoma. I don't know how Mike Gundy hasn't fired his offensive coordinator after that game. Like. <laughs> You crap your pants twice at the one yard line, and you don't run a quarterback sneak once. Like, yeah, Mike Gundy has always struck me as one of those coaches <laughs> that just sort of operates from a standpoint of like, eh, it's easier not to. Like, it's always yeah. easier to do nothing <laughs> rather than. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of he's one of my favorite guys, I, and every I heard, like I, I lived in Oklahoma for a while, worked in media there, and I've heard a lot of stories about Gundy, and he is. A unique individual, to say the least. That's, I mean, I mean, the guy goes on rattlesnake hunts. His haircut's called the Arkansas Waterfall. I, Ooh, but that's yeah. elite coaching hair. When it you is. think about it, when you think about coaching hair, I mean, the only thing that can compare to that is if I believe, if I remember correctly, how mummy had a pretty good shag haircut. Am I, am I remembering that right, Dimitri? I, I believe so. Jamie Chadwell at Coastal uh, has sort of embraced <laughs> the mullet as well. And I, I've heard – I don't know if this is true because I, I think this was just speculation. But I have heard that if it were not for him really embracing the Myrtle Beach aspect of that program, Chadwell would have been at the top of Duke's list. Huh. That's interesting. That's it. Yeah. yeah I can see that, that they were. I, I can't believe Duke in, on that topic. I can't believe when Duke came out with their list of finalists for that job. I was just kind of like, uh, "Has Coach <laughs> Cut has has Coach Cut cleaned out his office yet? Why don't you just keep I, him?" I really do like the idea of like you know. I mean, it's obvious. I think we all know, right? Like Cut didn't want to leave that job. He really was not no. given a choice. Without being fired, he was not given a choice. I think is the best yeah. way to say it. It is fun to think that, like, he said, okay, but let me give you some guys you should talk to. And he just gave them the most embarrassing list of candidates he possibly could have. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Okay, I'm going to start. I want to talk about the. uh, I want to talk about the college football playoff since this this show is our gift to the listeners. Um, the reboot of franchise players. I'm going to start with my predictions. Um, obviously. I think that Georgia is going to do some very, very bad things to Michigan. And my hope and my prayer is that my Crimson Tide. (laughs) I know that hurts to say. Even though I like the University of Cincinnati a lot, I know people who work there and, you know, I'm, I'm happy for their success. I hope that Bill puts up 70. I really think I really hope that, and I think that once we get to Kirby and um and Nick part two, 
I think it's somehow worse than the SEC championship game. <laughs> yeah, that that just that just happens, but you know that's what the B- the BCS championship game should have been Alabama versus Georgia if we still had that plan, um, and I think we're going to get that matchup anyway. So I guess you're right. Nobody got left out. They got the right guys. But that is my prediction for the college football playoff. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, Cincinnati, Alabama. <clears throat> I think. Um... Like I, like I said earlier, I think a lot of people are kind of disrespected Cincinnati, and I think that will uh, will, will play out uh, well in their locker room for at least a half. Uh, so I think I think they can keep it close. I mean, this is Cincinnati defense that's only given up 155 passing yards a game. So their strength uh, defensively is matching up against Alabama's strength. Uh, so I think, I think they keep it interesting, but I think ultimately Bama and Bryce Young will be too much. I think you know something like 34 to 20. Or something like that uh, will end up being the final score there. Uh, Michigan and uh, Georgia, I, I expect that to be a rock fight, ugly type of game. Because while I don't think Michigan's going to have much success offensively, and they very well might get shut out. Don't you disparage um, the good name of Stetson Bennett? Well, I, I, well, I'm not necessarily disparaging him. It's more about the pass rushers that Michigan has. I mean, they have. I was about know, to say, don't you disparage the good name <laughs> of Stetson Bennett through the generations? <laughs> <laughs> it's more about the two to three you know, pat, elite yes. pass rushers that uh, that Michigan has. So I, I think Michigan's defense can kind of keep them in that game. I expect it to be low scoring. Um, you know, I'll go with something like Georgia. Georgia 24, Michigan 7, or something like that. Mm. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I guess I can buy that. Dimitri, what do you have? I'll, I'll give you Georgia. I'm going to say something like 17 to 0. Like, that, that, that is, that's legitimately my pick. Like, I think it is something, like Ryan said, I don't trust Georgia to be able to put up a lot of points, but I don't trust Michigan to move the ball. So, uh, you know, Georgia's not going to have to put up a lot of points. Bama, this is going to be a wins but doesn't cover kind of situation. Bama's got this long history in the semifinals of the college football playoff, the the grand tradition of seven years, of playing with their food in the first game, right? Like, remember (laughs) last year, they really – yeah, the Washington game is a great example. The final of that game was 24-6. to Washington was never in it. Last year, they beat Notre Dame 31 to 14. Notre Dame was never in it. I God also like, I, I think <laughs> he has. Uh, I think it is <laughs> very possible that Cincinnati makes it hard on Alabama to get going early on. And maybe that proves me wrong. And in the second half, they just pour it on. But I think in all reality, we are probably looking at something like a 31 to 20 kind of game. All right, yeah, and you've got Alabama over Georgia for sure. I not for sure. I think so, but I always live with the fear of this being the time that Kirby Smart figures out which shoe goes on which foot. Well, I mean, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, so like, here's the thing: like, if you think about the 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 grand tradition of Saban whooping up on his assistants, right? There were right. two that I didn't want that record to fall to. One was Kirby, just because like nobody had figured that dude out 
And here was Nick Saban sort of looking at the country going like, this isn't hard. What are you people doing? Right. And the other was Jimbo Fisher because Jimbo Fisher's not a good football coach. No, like, no he's... It, it astounds me that that's the dude that took down Saban. I, my for, my image of Jimbo Fisher will forever be him at ACC Media Day putting peanuts into his bottle of Coke. <laughs> yeah, 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 I remember that. <laughs> Do you remember when he got hired at A&M, they asked him if he was going to keep any of uh, Kevin Sumlin's up-tempo philosophies in place, and he gave this real, like, old Southern white guy answer of like, well, that doesn't even look like football to me. Of course we're not going to keep <laughs> that stuff in place. It's like, my guy, what decade do you think this is? He, he, oh, it's awful. It's That's still like, I get it, money talks, but that's still one of the stupidest moves. I, and I'm obviously a little bitter as a Florida State fan, but it's still one of the stupidest moves I think I've ever seen in coaching. It's, it is insane to me that Scott Woodward is viewed with any sort of respect <laughs> after his last two major coaching hires. Well, speaking of stupid, I want to end this show, our inaugural ride in Uncle Dez's caddy, so to speak, in a giving mood. Play Santa. I have a long history, some of you may or may not know, of hating on one Urban Meyer. Oh, God love him. God love him. Who likes, Urban, who likes Urban Meyer? Like, and Ur, Ur, does his wife do his wife and kids even like him at this? Point? Oh yes, they have circled the wagons on this, especially uh, his daughters. Um, they are all in on this. But I am in a giving mood, Ryan, and that's not something that happens often. So I want everybody to think of a gift that they would give Urban Meyer for Christmas, and I, I want to start. Okay. I want to start because right now football is less fun for me because I, there is no college football team I can hate on just because Urban Meyer's their coach. It's no fun hating on Ryan Day, for instance. All right? So I'm going to give Urban a shadow. I'm going to hire Urban Meyer a shadow. Now, a sh- this particular <laughs> like, shadow. Like, like yep, a life get-back coach? The, a life get-back coach, exactly. I'm going to g- – and so here's the scenario I'm thinking about, guys. I'm thinking of – they go out in public. This is for when he leaves the house, okay? And he shadow rides with them, and he just uses them as a resource. He can tur- he can go into say Urban Meyer's ale house, you know, back home, and turn to this shadow and say, "This one." And that shadow can go, "No, nope, no, nope, still not your wife, still not your wife." And that way, and, and that way. It can take him. Yes, it can be Tim Tebow, <laughs> but no. But that's my gift because I think that can that that can help him out. Uh, but and, and that that is my that is my the, my gift to Urban from JP Ryan. Do you I, have anything for Coach Meyer? I have three gifts lined up. Here can, but before you go, I, Ryan, can can I just ask real quick, JP? In your mind, does this uh, life get back guy? have the same privileges that Andy Reid's guy does where he is allowed to reach in Andy's po- Andy Reid's pocket and throw the challenge flag? Oh. <laughs> no, because it's less fun for us media types. Right, right. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have three gifts lined up for All right. King Urban. Uh, the first one, I- I'm going to send Urban – we're sending lots of gifts through Amazon here to Urban. So, oh, no. um, the first one I'm going to send, uh, Mr. Ur- Mr. Meyer, is uh, you know some Tylenol, some Bayer, something like that, something to help combat the fake heart attacks that come. You know, 
I, you know, Tim Tebow broke his heart a few years back, and uh, the man, the man was so heartbroken and got his ass whooped so bad by Alabama that he had to fake a heart attack to get out of the job. Damn. So takes a year off, works at ESPN the whole time, joins Ohio State a year later. By that heart, man, that magically lined up. So I guess the it was the the Tylenol. So we're gonna fix his heart. Uh, number two is condoms. Oh my God, this is getting worse. Just <laughs> like I thought it would. Kind of self-explanatory. Kind of self-explanatory. And then you know what you get if you abbreviate Coach Urban Meyer, right? <laughs> oh no, 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 Delete, delete, delete. No, no, Y'all really appreciate number three. I don't know if y'all realize this, but Urban Meyer has a book. Oh, it's, no. it's titled Above the Line, Lessons in Leadership and Life from a Championship Program. So I'm going to send Urban his own book because he obviously needs it. That is beautiful and frightening. <laughs> Dimitri, what do you yeah. have for our uh, worldwide radio audience? I mean, let's just skip to where this whole thing is headed, right? Like, forget the comeback tour. Forget the, you know, would it be a feel-good story? Like, forget the story where he says, oh, I'm going to go back to where it all began and really learn my lesson and build Bowling Green up into something. Let's skip all the BS and skip right to where this is headed. My gift to Urban Meyer is you get your own primetime show on that streaming Fox News channel. We know this is where this pile of crap is headed eventually anyway. Let's just go ahead and get it rolling with like nope. something like, you know, Urban Meyer, the real American or whatever the hell it's going to be called. Well, uh, <laughs> Mike, will Mike Gundy be the first guest? No, Mike, Mike Gundy is brand loyal to OAM. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, what am I thinking? <laughs> that deteriorated so quickly. I'm so proud of myself. And on that note... It's time to wish everybody a happy holiday season. We will see you guys in the new year, in the new franchise players. JP Mundy, Ryan Stone, special thanks to our guest, the President of the United States, Dimitri Ravanos. Dimitri, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Happy holidays to you and your family, and thank your wife from us um, for being on the front lines of these COVID battles. Everybody stay healthy, get your shots, and we'll see you next time on the franchise. Except for you, Bill Yeah, except for you. <laughs>